Tonight's reading is um, from 2 Timothy, um, chapter 4, and if you are using um, one of the church Bibles, it's on page 1197, and I'm going to start reading at verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you all. Um, If we've never met before, hi, my name is Simon. I'm the minister of Goldstone Church. Uh, And just before we uh, dig into our passage this evening, um, I just want to say thank you for all of you who have been praying for us over the summer months. Um, a couple of months ago, I was sharing at the, uh, the prayer meeting, the, the Wednesday prayer meeting, and mentioning that uh, normally Goldston Church meets at Goldston Primary School, uh, but during August, the school is closed to us while they do maintenance, and so we were meeting in August at Martlett's Hospice, and I was asking for your prayers about that. Well, Prayers got answered big time. Um, we were having to pull out chairs every Sunday, uh, which was really encouragement. But even better than that, uh, one of the residents and two of the chaplains were able to join us in, their, in our services. And so there was a real uh, spirit of God uh, working in that, in that place uh, as we met together. Uh, so thank you for praying. You made a difference. As we turn to God's word tonight, let's, let's start with a prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, the Bible. As we look at this passage this evening, humbly we ask that you will speak to us. Open our hearts, open our minds to hear your words clearly so that our lives will honour you And we will love you more and more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. About two and a half years ago, my sister and I went through that difficult season of gently and respectfully moving our mother from her house of 45 years and into a Christian care home. Not surprisingly, to make sure that mum settled at the home, I made several trips down to Wales to see her. After my first visit, as I was driving back along that long M4 motorway, I noted again that mum had become more frail. She had been unwell for some time, so this decline was expected. But then I suddenly realized that I might not see her again. And then I quickly jumped to the last few words that I had said to her, and I realized that they could have been better. So from then on, whenever I visited, I was extra careful to make sure that my last words to mum were special and meaningful for both of us. 
This experience raised some interesting questions for me. If time was short, what significant final words would I want to give to my children? What key life values would I want to pass on? What would I want them to remember? This evening we're looking at some significant and memorable words. They are possibly some of the last words written by the Apostle Paul. Okay, yes, there are some another 14 verses after this in this chapter. But you could argue that those uh, verses are personal notes or a, or a rather large P.S., But these verses from 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6 to 8 bring to a close Paul's main teaching and instruction. Just to set the scene, the Apostle Paul was in prison in Rome awaiting his death. Emperor Caesar Nero was in power and Christians everywhere were experiencing intense persecution. The letter of 2 Timothy is another letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, someone that Paul had trained and mentored for some some time, and who was now leading a church in the city of Ephesus, hundreds of miles away. Paul realized that the Roman authorities would be executing him soon. So this letter was very personal. This was a final letter to a close friend and a co-worker. In 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, the Apostle Paul shares his life testimony with Timothy. Paul calls on Timothy to do what he has already done himself. This is what Paul wants Timothy to remember for the rest of his life. Let's look at these verses a little more closely because they provide great Christian truths that are relevant for our lives today. And just to be different, I'm going to look at the verses in chronological order. That'll make sense in a minute. Firstly, Paul tells Timothy, I have. I have. In verse 7, Paul reflected on the past. He is looking back on his life. And three times he says, I have. He looked back and said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. As I said before, Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote this letter. So it's reasonable to suggest that what Paul wrote would have been checked by the authorities. Which possibly explains why Paul used these catchphrases in his letter. Timothy would have understood the deep meaning behind the words, but they would have been a mystery to the prison guards. As he looked back on his ministry, Paul told Timothy what he had done. Paul is not boasting or showing off, He's just being factual. And he summed up all that he had done in three words. The first word, Paul had fought. He says, I have fought the good fight. 
Paul used this same phrase in his first letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of the faith. And Paul's earlier letter to the church in Ephesus also mentions a fight. Well, really, it's, it's more than that. It's a spiritual battle. In Ephesians 6, chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18, Paul teaches about the armor of God. All Christians need to put on the armor of God so that we can take our stand and fight against the devil's schemes. Here, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was being honest. And he admits that, at times, his Christian life had been a struggle, a fight. Actually, that's a huge understatement. A quick look at the book of Acts shows that Paul, well, he was kidnapped, he was beaten, threatened, arrested many times, Accused in lawsuits, interrogated, ridiculed, ignored, shipwrecked, and even bitten by a snake. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says that Paul was also whipped, stoned, hungry, thirsty, and cold. All because he was a Christian and followed Jesus wholeheartedly. And yet, Paul's life testimony was that although the Christian life can be difficult at times, it is worth it. Why? Because of a personal love relationship with Jesus. Second word, Paul's had finished. He says, I have finished the race. Paul also uses this athletics picture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? I think it's significant that in 2 Peter, sorry, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul does not say that he has won the race, only that he has finished the race. Last April, over 18,000 people ran the Brighton Marathon. Obviously, only one person won the race. But everyone who ran will tell you of the great honour just to be able to say they had finished the race. Paul's life testimony was that although it was difficult, he had completed the spiritual race that Jesus had set before him. He had finished the race in response to his personal love relationship with Jesus. Third word, Paul had been faithful. He says, I have kept the faith. This phrase may have two meanings. Paul may be saying that he has faithfully declared the good news of Jesus Christ and he has guarded it and protected the truth from false teachers. Earlier in 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, Paul referred to this as the pattern of sound teaching. 
Paul had never wavered that salvation was by grace through faith in Jesus and nothing else. Paul had kept the faith. But kept the faith may also mean that Paul had fulfilled what God had called him to do. Specifically, Paul had completed the task of taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Perhaps both meanings are correct. Paul's life testimony was that he had fulfilled Jesus' great commission. In response to his love relationship with Jesus, Paul had faithfully gone into all the world and preached the gospel. I wonder how we would summarize what we have done for Jesus. Today, as Christians, as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, can we say, I have? Or, is a more realistic view, I should have? Well, the great news is that Jesus hasn't finished with us yet. And today, Jesus is inviting us to turn to him afresh, to respond to him, and to follow Jesus in loving obedience. I have. Secondly, Paul tells Timothy, I am. I am. One of the joys I have at Golston Church is that I am blessed by godly elders. I count it a privilege to call these people my friends and co-workers. One of the key aspects of our relationship is that we are open and honest with each other. So, for example, when an elder asks me how I am, fine is not a valid answer. Why? Because of our close relationship. They want, and and quite frankly, they demand and they deserve the real answer. In verse 6, Paul is open and vulnerable to Timothy. And he shares the real answer on his present situation. Paul looked around and said, I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. Firstly, there was pouring, poured out like a drink offering. This is another phrase that is full of meaning. At one level, this refers to Paul's imminent execution. In Bible times, the Romans would pour wine on the head of someone who was about to be executed as an offering to their pagan gods. Paul seems to suggest that this was about to happen. But this phrase also refers to the drink offering in the Old Testament. When Moses and the Israelites were told how they were to worship God with different sacrifices, Exodus 29 verse 40 says that oil and wine would be used as a drink offering. Paul is using this picture as a metaphor of how he has dedicated his life as a tangible and as a sacrificial offering to Jesus. 
His life was an act of worship to Jesus. Secondly, there was preparing. Paul says, the time for my departure is near. The Greek word translated departure refers to when a ship pulls up anchor, opens the sails, leaves the harbour and sets sail for a distant port. Paul looked on death as a release from the world and an opportunity to set sail into eternity with Jesus. Put this together and we see that Paul was facing release, not an execution. Effectively, Paul was saying, Caesar is not going to kill me. Instead, I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice to Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul had told Timothy to expect opposition and suffering. Paul had experienced this suffering firsthand. So as Christians, we shouldn't consider it weird or unusual when we suffer. These are attacks because we are faithful followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Someone put it this way. We have no right to expect better treatment from the world than Jesus received. Today, as Christians, we may be facing difficult times and challenging situations, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus promises to be with us at every moment. And in response to his promise, Jesus invites us to turn to him afresh and to follow him in loving obedience. I have... I am, and lastly, Paul says to Timothy, I will. I will. Having looked back, having looked around, in verse 8, Paul looked ahead and said, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There's a story of a a dying man who asked a Christian doctor to tell him something about heaven. As the doctor was fumbling for his reply, he heard a scratching at the door and he got his answer. He said, do you hear that noise? That's my dog. I left him downstairs But he's impatient. He can hear my voice and has come upstairs. He has no idea what is inside the bedroom door, but he knows that I am here. It's the same with heaven. We don't know what's on the other side of the door, but we know that Jesus is there. As the Apostle Paul looks forward to heaven... He sees two things. Firstly, Paul will be united with Jesus. He says, the righteous judge will award to me. 
The Greek word translated award carries with it a meaning of closeness and proximity. In other words, this award from Jesus is not sent in the post. And it won't be delegated for someone else to deliver. No, this award will be presented in person. This is the embodiment of a personal love relationship with Jesus. It's a face-to-face encounter. Secondly, says Paul, he will be undefiled through Jesus. In verse 8, he refers to the crown of righteousness. The award that Paul is looking forward to receiving in person from Jesus is a crown of righteousness. Jesus, the righteous judge, makes Paul, a sinner, right and sinless before a holy and a perfect God. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross at Calvary, Paul's sins were forgiven. He was made clean and made eligible to come before Almighty God through Jesus. Put this together and we see that because of Jesus, the Apostle Paul had a wonderful and an eternal future to look forward to. And this is the same for us today. Jesus Christ, God's only Son, came into, uh, came into the world. He came to earth and lived among us in our time and in our history. He lived a perfect life, yet was put to death like a criminal on a cross. Jesus willingly died to take the punishment that our sins and our wrongdoings deserve. By believing on what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we are saved. We are forgiven. We are rescued from death and promised eternal life with Jesus, who conquered death and lives today. As a response to all that he has done for us, Jesus invites us to turn to him afresh and to follow him in loving obedience. I have, looking back at the past, I am, looking around in the present, I will, looking forward to the future. Dr. Alfred Nobel is best known for the Nobel Peace Prize. What is less well known is that Alfred Nobel also invented dynamite. He was a Swedish businessman, a chemist, an engineer and an inventor, and a weapons manufacturer. In 1888, Alfred's brother died. But a French newspaper wrongly published Alfred's obituary. The newspaper criticised Nobel for inventing dynamite with the headline, The Merchant of Death is Dead. They wrote, Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Not surprisingly, when Nobel read his obituary, 
he was horrified, especially that this was how the world would remember him. So he changed his will and put most of his money towards setting up the Nobel Prizes. Alfred Nobel had the rare opportunity to evaluate his life and live long enough to change it. My point is this, with Jesus, it is never too late to change. Today, many people dislike the word change. They can't stand the thought of leaving the familiar that they are used to and having to deal with the uncertainties of new challenges. But today, Jesus is inviting us to step out afresh with him. To step out within a personal love relationship with Jesus. And if you're not a Christian this evening, if Jesus is not the central part of your life, then respectfully, I would encourage you to find out what Jesus said. Perhaps go on an Alpha course, the one that's starting in a few weeks' time. And I would encourage you to consider who Jesus is. And I would encourage you to respond to the love and the forgiveness that Jesus offers to each one of us. And if you are a Christian, then these verses are a challenge. Let us be honest with ourselves this evening and review our personal love relationship with Jesus. Let us turn to him afresh and wholeheartedly follow Jesus in loving obedience. Let us finish strongly with Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us through your word today. May the things that you have revealed and the thoughts that we have shared, may they stay in our hearts and stir us into action. Lord, fill our hearts afresh with your Holy Spirit and help us to see again the loving and eternal sacrifice that you paid for us on the cross at Calvary. Help us to fix our eyes on you, to put you at the centre of our lives and to seek an intimate and a sincere relationship with you. And we'll give you all the glory and honour that you deserve. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.